afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. I'm Kimberly Shirk. I'll be your moderator for today's show, and I'm joined, as always, by co-authors Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. They are our experts on management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can make a difference. Today's topic for discussion is encompassing two chapters, chapter 37 and 38 from the book Managing to Make a Difference. The episode title is called Advance from Team to Family, so we're going to explore that. It's an interesting concept around team building that we're going to talk about today. And Larry, I'd love for you to kick us off with a story that actually is found in chapter one of the book, The Bernie and the Diner Story. Would you recall that for us? Yes, certainly. Uh, This... uh uh, unfortunately, I've reached an age where every story starts out, this occurred many years ago. And nothing ever happens to me last week. Everything that ever happened to me was years ago. So at any rate, I was, uh, I was working in Atlanta, Georgia. I was the vice president of human resources for Omni International Hotel. I uh, was in uh, the early part of the prime of my career. And... Uh, I, I was I considered myself extremely knowledgeable when it came to all things human resources, and and I I have I have a habit uh, every day. I happen to like breakfast is my favorite meal, and I happen to like diners, not fancy places, just diners. Uh, they call them cafes in the West, and they call them diners in the East. They're the same kind of establishment, and I always have had a habit of on the way to work, I find a diner and I pick one that I like and I just go there every morning and I get to know all the people in the diner and uh, we see each other every morning. So in any event, uh, I had one of those on my way to work in Atlanta. There was a diner I used to stop in and, and tragically, I cannot remember the name of this place. I wish I could, but uh, there you go. So I, I would stop in this diner every morning and I had a regular order, so they would see me come in the door, and they would just put my order on. I didn't have to order, uh, and and I would sit at the counter and have breakfast and talk to the talk to the employees. And this was the kind of layout in the diner where I could see through the window, and I could see who was working in the kitchen and frying the eggs and and that sort of thing. And 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 of course it was Atlanta, so they were also making grits. At any rate. Uh, I uh, I noticed a uh, couple of mornings in a row, I noticed that one of the cooks named Bernie uh, wasn't there. And I knew enough about this that I actually knew it wasn't his day off. And so I, I said, uh, where's Bernie? And they didn't know. They said, we don't know. He, we're worried about him. He just, he's MIA. And and we and this was long before the days of cell phones or anything. And they call his house not there. And you know you're out of options in those days. That's it. So at any rate, several days later, Bernie shows up in his at his normal station in the kitchen. And uh, I, the waitress who was serving me, uh, I asked her. I said, "Oh my God, Bernie's here! What happened?" And she said. Uh, he went on a bender and he wound up in a town uh, some hours for here, from here and he finally called us and somebody had to go and get him and now he's back and we're all really angry at him and, and she said, I, I'm not talking to him. Uh, 
this this event was uh, a major caused a major insight for me because I thought I knew darn near everything there was to know about human resources. And here in this little diner, Bernie came back to work after several days, no call, no show. And in my company, I would have had to fire him because we had a big, thick employee handbook with lots of rules and regulations in it. And one, and you have to enforce those across the board. You can't make exceptions to those because that causes you all kind of legal problems. And, and I real, and, th- and this diner was a mom and pop diner and they didn't have anything. They didn't have any of these rules. And consequently, Bernie, who, I don't know, he'd worked there about 20 years. Uh, consequently, they didn't have to fire. I would have had to fire a 20 year employee. And uh, he was really good at what he did, by the way. And and if you, and I've, I've, I've been a breakfast cook. And if you think that is anybody can do it and do it with excellence, try it sometime. It's like playing a video game. Some people are way better at it than others. And, and Bernie was one of those people. He was terrific at it. And, and my waitress surely wasn't talking to him. Uh, that was his punishment. It was like a family. They didn't fire him. It never occurred to them to fire him. But they were angry at him. They were upset with him. And they all got over it eventually, just like you would with a family. But when we're talking about advancing from teams to families, we're talking about a very, very different level of commitment and a qualitatively different kind of commitment. And one of the things that I want to make sure I say to our listeners today is Don't use the language of family at work unless you really mean it, unless your level of commitment is that deep and that strong. Because when you say we're a family, you create an expectation in your listeners about what it means to be a family. And if you don't intend to live up to that, use different language. Just say we're a team. It's easy. It's really easy to pick different language. And, and if you say we're a team, people have very different expectations about your commitment to them than they do if, if you say we're a family around here. So please think carefully about that and don't create expectations uh, that you have no intention of living up to. Kim, when you think about extraordinary teams and then teams that advance to that family structure, what, what does that speak to you? Well, I think that when you think about those kinds of teams, the defining factor there is the depth and the quality of the relationships that people share. And you don't get to that depth and quality of relationship without, one, being intentional about it, and, two, really investing time in each other, and then, three, caring about each other and connecting with each other in ways that go beyond work. All three of those things are qualities of the kinds of relationships people have when they are really advancing to that level of of family commitment. And in families, 
people frequently do things that annoy the other people in the family, that hurt their feelings, et cetera, et cetera. And from time to time, they, they're going to let people down. Uh, when you're really a family, you know that sooner or later, you're going to work through those things. You know that sooner or later, you're going to forgive that person. Uh, even while you're angry at them, you, you, there's, there's, there's no thought that the relationship could be going in the wrong direction or it's over or whatever it might be. There's, there's, no, there's no thought to that. And I, I have not had the occasion to uh, work on forming a blended family, but I'm betting that many of our listeners uh, have had the occasion in their life where they have married someone who had children that, uh, you know, from their first marriages. So you're both bringing children from your first marriages into this new marriage and you're blending a family. And I think that uh, you can think about how difficult that is and how intentional you have to be in order to create a blended family because people didn't grow up with each other. It's not just that their DNA isn't the same. It's, it's that they really didn't grow up with each other. And, and now they have to assume this, this whole attitude about a bunch of people that uh, they're, they're not actually related to. And, and that's the way it is at work, though. You're not related by blood. You don't have DNA in common. You didn't grow up together. And yet, if the manager of that team wants the team to become a family, as Kim Turnage said, this has to be very intentional and you have to work on it. But you, the manager, you have to assume a commitment to those people uh, that is completely the equivalent of a, a parent to a child. So, Kim Turnage, what comes up for you when I when I talk about that? Well, you know, one thing I would do is back up and, and talk about what does it mean to be a team. Um, it's not just an amalgamation of people. Teams have to be um, have to have something going on too. Ideally, as a manager, when you're building a, a team that's cohesive, you've got people centered around a shared vision. Um, they're committed to each other. They're committed to work together to achieve that vision. And, you know, they're committed to some level of accepting each other's strengths and weaknesses in that process. When you're advancing from team to family, the depth of those relationships becomes even more uh, important and, and that it, everything isn't necessarily focused on the goals that we have together as a team. What's happening when we're advancing from team to family is that we're actually caring about each other as individuals. We're tapping into each other's lives in ways that go beyond that shared vision and go beyond what we're working on together as a team in our work. And so the relationships and the caring become much more comprehensive. And just like what happened with Shirley and Bernie in the story, you know, Shirley was mad at Bernie but she also accepted Bernie for who he was, for all of who he was, and didn't say, okay, then I'm not going to be in relationship with you anymore because you made me mad. And, you know, that's the difference. That level of commitment that really is at that personal, individual level. 
I feel like uh, one of the things to contemplate here is that before you can advance a team to family, you have to have that um, garnered shared vision. And um, and to your point, that's kind of the starting block. So um, I think that's something I'd like to explore just a little bit more in the second segment. We're going. We're about to take a quick break here. I wanted to let you know that you can purchase copies of this book, uh, Managing to Make a Difference, at 800ceoreads.com. And we're really encouraging managers not just to purchase the copy for themselves, but really for their management team and make this a discussion within your teams. You know, every insight, every chapter has a lesson and has an experiment in here. And um, really, the collection of thoughts after you go through these lessons, after you try out these experiments, we think provide a lot of growth for your company. So we're going to take a quick break. um, And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the great teams and the foundation for then moving a team to a family. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Do you realize that the root of your challenges lie within you? It's time to find out more about coaching and how it can help both you and your business. Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves will help you gain a deeper level of self-awareness to find the answers inside yourself. Our guests are business professionals just like you who agree to a coaching session on our radio program. Tune into Coaching for Real, live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope that you will visit our website at managetomakeadifference.com. You'll find additional materials and exercises that go along with what we're talking about with each podcast, as well as all the information that you might need to order books for yourself or for your team. So we've been discussing some thoughts from Chapter 37 and 38 of the book Managing to Make a Difference today. And the two chapters are entitled Conduct Occasional Team Building Events and then advance from team to family. So in the first segment, we talked a little bit about the need for a team to have that cohesive vision of where they're moving as a, as a team together, but then also being intentional about moving a team to really a family element. And I want to explore that a little bit more. Kim, do you want to jump in and kick us off with just some of the thoughts that come to your mind initially, and then some of the ways that you practically can move and advance from that team mentality into the family. Yeah, just to recap, you know, in in some ways, this idea of moving from team to family, um, you know, if you're just joining us and you haven't heard any of our other podcasts, this is a little bit out of context because we've talked a lot in past episodes of how to build extraordinary teams and what does a manager do and how do you invest in people and how do you bring people together and how do you get them to work together. Um, so, but today we're really focusing on then how do you take those, those relationships and advance them to the next level where you really get a lot more going on in terms of the depth and quality of the relationships that people have with each other. And then that translates into stronger performance. But what, what you can do in order to do that is to really get people into that space where they are accepting people for who they are. And they are recognizing what each person brings to the table, valuing and appreciating it, and seeing that in a really holistic way that goes beyond just what we're working on together in our business. And that also expresses an appreciation for each person, for who they are as a whole person, even when they're not at work. So the kinds of things that are a sign that the team has advanced to that level of family kinds of relationships are that they celebrate important events together, um, even personal events, you know, birthdays, anniversaries, and also the milestones that the team achieves. They support each other through personal hardships. Um, They help each other achieve significant goals that are important to maybe one individual, even if it's not exactly what the whole team is working on. And in that process, they might actually make personal sacrifices for one another. That's what family members do, right? Um, They talk together to solve issues. They don't just give up on each other. Um, They don't move directly to think about discipline. They have a problem. They work together to solve it and to mend the relationships that get a little bit splintered as a result. One of the other things that they do is they just naturally ask each other, how can I help? How can I help you achieve the things that are important to you? Because I know that you're going to help me achieve the things that are important to me. Those are kind of the signs of a team that's made that advancement. And, you know, they are the kinds of things that you can encourage people to do for and with each other to make that advancement. You know, one of the things uh, 
one of the things that uh, families do is is to celebrate important events together. And I think as as a group moves from a team to a family, they want to celebrate. For instance, uh, they want to celebrate uh, the holidays with that group with that group of people, the, the people on their team who are becoming uh, their their family members. Um, even if they're going to celebrate the holiday with their biological family, uh, they're also going to celebrate it with their team. And they're going to become events. There's going to be a family history on the team. And there are going to be events that are relevant to that particular family uh, that aren't relevant to, uh, to outsiders, things that occurred or didn't occur and becomes part of the lore of that family. So that's that's evidence that a team is moving from a team to a family where they can tell their own stories about uh, about what happened. Then they they're going through these these experiences experiences together, and this is forging part of that that progression from uh, from team to family. One of the things that dawns on me is that there's a real trust element to this. And I know we've talked about that on several podcasts before, Um, just that element of being able to trust one another with information that may exist outside of the office. Um, How do you instill that as a manager in your team to begin with? The trust? Mm -hmm. Well, you have to start... There, there's two sides to building trust. One is doing being trustworthy. So you instill that as a value uh, as part of your, your team values that we're going to be trustworthy. And then you talk about what that means. And that might mean different things to different groups of people, and they get to decide what it means for them. But for the sake of this argument, Let's just decide that it means that, among other things, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. I'm going to show up when I'm supposed to show up. I, uh, When we're on the playing field, I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be so you can pass the ball behind you and know that I'm there because I'm, you can trust me, that I'm there because I'm supposed to be there. And, and you see this a lot in basketball, right? People are going down the court and somebody just – passes the ball behind them, and they didn't look before they passed because they know their teammates there. And, and so that's, that's part of it, it, being trustworthy. The other part, I mean, there's lots of parts. Uh, another part might be for some group of people, when you're not present, I don't say negative things about you. Uh, and when I'm out and not with the team, I don't say negative things about anybody on the team or the team I, if I have something to say, it's always going to be positive. And uh, uh, that, uh, that's just a couple of things that um, might be present when uh, people are, are building trust. The other part of that equation is being trusting. So you've got being trustworthy. And then you have being trusting. And as the manager, as the leader, as the coach, you have to model this. Uh, You have to decide that you 
are going to trust people. And that, that means your entire demeanor, your tone of voice, your language, et cetera, et cetera. All those things has to mean that you're trusting people. I, I'm remembering a, an incident that occurred when I was at the Ritz-Carlton in Singapore. And I, I was the director of human resources for this hotel. And, and we were in an executive meeting. And the general manager asked uh, one of the executives whether he had put a certain message. Uh, we were going to have some repairs done in the hotel. And we needed to inform our guests because they were going to hear some noises related to the repairs. And we didn't want them to wonder what was going on. And so these, these messages had to be slipped under every single hotel door. Uh, again, that was the technology of the time. And, and so uh, there was one executive who was responsible for making this happen. And so in our, in our morning meeting, the general manager asked them, did you get these messages delivered yesterday afternoon? And the executive said, yes, I did. And then the general manager looked at me and he said, uh, do you believe him? I said, yeah, of course I believe him. Why wouldn't I believe him? And uh, uh, the general manager said to me, I'm going to check. Trust, but verify. And I said to him, as I say to everybody listening, that's not trust. If you have to verify, then it's lack of trust. And I, I felt sorry for the other executive because what we just found out was his boss didn't trust him. He was going to check up on him, make sure he did his job. So when I'm talking about this, that, that's what being trusting is. And there are times when you don't feel like you want to trust the other person. But you can ask yourself, if this were my close friend, whom I really trusted, how would I behave right in this moment? What would I say? How would I be saved? And even if you don't feel like that, you can still choose to do it. And as you model that trust for everybody else, and as you indeed demonstrate to people on the team that you trust them, uh, Great things will happen. So that's some part of how you do this. So, Kim, I want to go back to the question you asked, which was how do you instill trust? And, you know, what Larry's answer points out is that you don't. You don't instill trust in people. What you do and what Larry's describing is you create a culture of trust. And a, a very simple description of culture is the way we do things around here. So what you do is in everything that you put out there as aspirational values, in everything that gets rewarded, in everything that gets reprimanded, in everything that as a leader you do, you walk the talk and you create a culture of trust. And when you do that, the people who are following you, because you're an effective manager and leader, do the same thing. I love that. Love that thought um, that you don't instill it. 
you create a culture of trust. So that's a great um, segue as we move into the next segment. Um, we do want to know, do you have any questions related to this topic or another management issue? If you do, whether it's this podcast or another one, please feel free to reach out to us and let us know what that question is. All you have to do is simply click the email host button that's just above that podcast description, and we'll work those topics into our upcoming podcast. In fact, at a later time in this, in fact, podcast, we're going to address some of those as well. So we do want to hear from you. Keep that those those questions and those things that you'd like to know about. Keep them coming at us. And um, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Managing to Make a Difference. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
Welcome back and thanks so much for joining us today for Managing to Make a Difference. We have been talking about chapters 37 and 38 in the book, Managing to Make a Difference. The titles are Conduct Occasional Team Building Events and Advance from Team to Family. And we've really touched on that topic of advancing from team to family and really understanding people beyond just a work scope level. And what I really want to do is shift a little to how we do that in terms of team building events. And so, Kim, do you want to go ahead and kick us off in terms of thinking about being a manager, wanting to move that team to a family um, scenario, I would say, and, and practically how you might do that through an event? Sure. I mean, I think that as a manager, you have certain opportunities to create op- uh, events, sort of like one-shot opportunities for people to do something out of the ordinary together that um, shows them things about each other that maybe they didn't know. And there's lots of different flavors those kinds of things can take. I mean, sometimes people, like, go to a ropes course and, you know, they do trust falls together or whatever. And that's one kind of team building uh, event that you can do. Sometimes you can just have a day where you spend time um, recognizing each other for things that, you know, recognizing each person on the team for things that they've done that have made a difference for you. Um, There are lots of different flavors to this, but what kind of holds all different kinds of team building events together is this concept that this is something a little different, takes us out of our normal interaction, and They can sometimes come at a cost financially. They are always going to come at a cost in terms of time. And one of the things that Larry and I wanted to talk about today is just how do you decide if it's worth the cost? So, Larry, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, Well, you know, I'm I'm just writing some notes as you're talking because there are many your your remarks raise many different issues, and I I'd like to uh, rewind uh, and start with uh, start before your remarks in a sense ontologically b- before uh, if not chronologically, and that is um, the first thing you need to decide is whether you need a team building event at all, uh, and in order to decide that. Uh, you need to start at the, with the end in mind, as Stephen Covey Sr. Has, has advised us. You need to start with the end in mind. What are you hoping to accomplish? You say you need a team building event. If it's highly successful, how will you know it? What will you have accomplished? If you answer those questions, and that has nothing to do with the agenda, the agenda or the agenda, uh, it has nothing to do with the, the a- actual activities you might do. But it's the outcomes you're trying to achieve. If you answer that question, you, you, A, you might find that you can accomplish those, those outcomes without a team building event. And, and maybe those outcomes are even better accomplished without a team building event. Um, so uh, you need to know what you're, you want to accomplish. And, let's, and what, uh, what Kim Shirk asked uh, was uh, how do you move from a team to a family through a team building event? And my answer is, 
almost all the time you don't. You, you've got to be a realistic about what you can accomplish with a team building event. And so if you're currently a team and you want to move to a family, I certainly believe that a good team building event can get you started. And maybe you even have some breakthroughs. I don't know. But to believe that a team building event is going to miraculously change the culture of your team in a way that is sustainable, I think is asking too much from a typical team building event. Now, I, I do remember a story, and, and you're going to have to help me with this. Uh, uh, this is a story I heard in an interview with the director of The Godfather. Now, I don't remember who that was. Francis Ford. Was that Francis Ford Coppola? Okay. So I heard an NPR uh, personage interviewing Francis Ford Coppola about the making of The Godfather. And uh, he, among the stories Coppola told, he told the story of when he got all the principal actors together for the very first time. They were meeting as a, as a, a, a group for the very first time and he took them out to an Italian restaurant and just to have dinner. And because these were highly talented acting geniuses, these people, they just spontaneously started assuming the roles that they were going to have the movie at the dinner table. And Coppola, Coppola reports that by the time dinner was over, they were family. And, uh, that's a rare occurrence is what I'm saying. You, you, you think about the level of talent of, of everybody involved in, in that kind of a, an event. And most of the time, you're not going to achieve that kind of a miraculous outcome in one team building event. However, you can get started. You can make progress. You can do those kinds of things. And, and I would suggest that, that there are these intentional team building events, which everybody labels as, OK, we're going for this specific purpose. But I would also suggest that going out for pizza as a team is a team building event. When I was in Little League um, and I'm, I'm a terrible, that's where I found out I'm a terrible, terrible baseball player, um, the Coach, of course, was just somebody's dad, and and uh, they would take us. Uh, he would take us after every game. He would take us for A and W root beer, whether we won or whether we lost. We always went to A and W, and at the time, root beer cost a nickel. So you can start thinking about how old I am, uh, because it was only a nickel. And but you know that was a team building event. I certainly wasn't conscious of it. And I bet the dad wasn't really conscious of it. He just knew, hey, the kids like root beer and it's one of the things that we're going to do. And, and But it was a team building event because we all, and of course we talked about the game, win, lose, or draw. We, we you know, recounted important plays of the game and so forth. And and uh, so I, I would suggest to people that you, you, you can and should do some formal ones when it makes sense, when you know what you want to accomplish, and then you can design a series of activities that will help you accomplish that. The more you do events together, uh, the, just in the social sense, the more you're going to learn about each other. Because the more times you see somebody in a variety of different situations, 
the more you're going to learn about each other. Uh, and, and, of course, different situations come up. If you hang out together, you will, in fact, learn a lot about each other. So those are, those are my contributions to your initial question of uh, how do you move toward being a family in a, in a team-building event. Uh, I, I remember I used to conduct some team-building events for Hyatt Hotels. I used to be the corporate director of training for, for Hyatt, and we had one event that was uh, extremely stressful for people. Uh, and it was team building. And and I used to have numerous teams of 10, sometimes 10 teams of 10 people going through this event and building uh, teams among those 10 people. And this event uh, often caused uh, significant emotional reactions in people. And in many, many cases over the years I did this with Hyatt, the people who went through that together uh, remained uh, friends for the rest of their lives uh, because they had formed that bond. In uh, by, So one of the things that really builds uh, these relationships is going through stuff together. And that's what families do, of course. They go through stuff together. And, and that stuff is often very painful. It's often very stressful. Uh, and sometimes, of course, it's extremely joyous. But going through those emotional events together really helps people bond. So even if your business is struggling and you have to cut costs and you have to do some drastic things, uh, in order to survive as a business, and I've been through that too, if you're conscious of it, that can be a huge team-building event because when you get out of there on the other side, people will have gone through that together. And just the fact that you went through this very, very challenging time together, that will build the, the, the movement toward a family, for sure. Uh, last night, I had a cup of coffee with somebody uh, I had to lay off during some tough times. Um, we're still friends. We still meet for coffee. I, I, I knew what was going on with her in her current job, and I thought I had some, I had some thoughts that might be helpful to her. And uh, uh, so... You, you know, these bonds can stay for a long time, but it's getting the emotions involved that really, that really moves things forward. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I want to just come back with one observation from that, which is, Larry, I'm really glad you rewound it to that because kind of saying that a, a team building event is going to define the culture of your team is like saying that Thanksgiving dinner is going to, define the culture of your family, we all know that it's more than just that. What happens there can certainly add to it. It can become a memorable experience that bonds the team and it becomes part of that lore, just like those do for family and your family lore. But they're not going to be the thing that really define that sense of family. That's what happens every day because that's what culture is. But so I think it's a very good point. Thank you. Yes, and I want to point out that you build up those events over time, and they become your family stories. And teams can have those 
types of events and move toward uh, a family type culture. Mm-hmm. We're going to take another quick break. Um, these are some great notes, and uh, I just need some time to process it, to be really honest. So we'll come back and review some of those. We'll also address a couple of questions that have come in from other episodes when we come back. Um, I do want to let you know that, um, you know, you are joining us and taking your valuable time to sit and listen to our stories every single day. And we want to know you to know that you can invite us into your organization. Larry is a fantastic speaker. He really can um, customize the topics of this book to the things, the challenges, the obstacles, the celebrations that your organization is going through right at this time. So I want to encourage you again to visit our website, managedmakeadifference.com and seek out Uh, Larry as a speaker too if that is something your organization is looking for right now. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with Managing to Make a Difference. The business community's first choice in internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Kim Turnage. We um, have been really talking about conducting occasional team building events and then being able to advance from team to family and that concept today of moving beyond just 
shared goals within an organization to really personalized goals. And and uh, we even touched on the, the team lore that can be created with some of these events. But I want to touch on a question that has come to our mind. And Larry, I know you want to address this as well. So when you think about these events, if you are going to do a team day or an offsite event, what is really the most important decision you feel like you need to make about that offsite event? Well, the most important decision that uh, a manager or a leader needs to make about the offsite event is who is going to be the facilitator. You know, as we have said uh, in on more than one occasion during this podcast series, aptitude matters. Talent matters. Not every Tom, Dick, and Harry off the street can be a great facilitator. So you need to choose wisely on who's going to be the facilitator. I, you know, over the years... Uh, as I have facilitated many of these sessions, uh, the, the client uh, often wants to know, well, what is the agenda going to be? And, and this is after I've, I've really clarified what outcomes they want, and I've created a custom agenda, a series of activities to achieve those outcomes. They want to know what that is, and they often want to know in great detail. And, and what I want all our listeners to understand is that it's not the agenda. It's the facilitator. It's not the musical score, it's the musician. It's not the recipe, it's the chef. And, and you know, uh, good cooks can follow a recipe. Great cooks know how to vary the recipe, know when to do that. You know, good facilitators know how to keep people on track and follow the agenda. Great facilitators know when to throw the agenda out the window and move in a direction that the team needs uh, even if it wasn't pre-planned. So making sure you've selected the right facilitator is much more important than getting the agenda or anything of the sort. Uh, and I, I, I'm glad you gave us the opportunity to make that point. Kim, when I think about team building events and I think about all of the different budgetary constraints on managers today and what they have budget for and what they do not have budget for and how often we're working in lean situations, the the question comes to mind for me, you know, how costly do these have to be? How time consuming do these have to be? Because you are pulling people away from productivity of their regular jobs. We've touched on that a little bit. But can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, and cost is an issue, and so is time. Um, you can't. The, the the bottom line is, what you can't sacrifice is time. What people need together is time, and time together is what pulls people together and creates those bonds. So that's really non-negotiable. Cost can be zero, and even cost can be even less than zero um, because there are ways to take your team building events and, and turn them toward other goals maybe that your organization has. Um, and the best example I can think of for that is doing some kind of volunteer service together as a team because in doing so, you are getting yourself into a situation where everybody has to work in a little bit different way. They're going to see some different things in and about each other in that Opportunity. They're going to get something done together. They're going to feel good about it. Um, and it's not going to cost anything 
to go do it, except for the time that you spend. But for many companies, that time is highly valued, and to take time to go do that together is a positive thing. So that's an example of something that you can do that costs you absolutely nothing. And, and as we mentioned in the book, with a modicum of creativity, every single one of our listeners can, can think up low cost or no cost uh, activities that a team can do together. And please remember, uh, it's a good idea in many of these instances. It's a good idea to invite significant others, to invite biological family members. So invite people to bring their significant others, invite them to bring their kids. In other words, if you were in fact uh, serving at a homeless shelter, you could invite people to bring their families. And again, this creates the, the motion from team to larger family, to an extended family, as people get to know uh, their teammates, significant others, and their children, and, and, and uh, their, their, their friends, et cetera. Uh, so please remember, it's a good idea to include these people. It's obviously, it has to be the appropriate activity, but nevertheless, uh, for many of these activities, uh, it's a good idea to include uh, the kinds of people I just mentioned. So as we wrap up the conduct occasional team building events and the advance from team to family chapters, what is it that we have missed? What would we like to hit one more time just for our listeners as they think about managing their teams, the effective use of their teams, not only for a strategy and a vision for the goal of the company or the organization that they're working with, but also to really move to that advanced level where you really are operating as a family? Well, one of the things I'd like to make sure we get in before we close is the, the I, I know that many of our listeners are thinking, I'm just not good at thinking up these sorts of social activities. And, and I'm just not good at that. And, and when people get together, I'm not good at figuring out, should we have like games or what, how are we going to make this make this really fun and worthwhile for people. And, and so if you're not good at it, I'm betting there's somebody on your team who is. So don't feel like you personally have to come up with all this stuff. Find somebody on your team who is the, the social uh, organizer and just say to them, Hey, I want a team building event and, and we're going to do it on this date. And, you know, Think about what we can do and tell this person what it is you're trying to achieve. In many cases, what you're trying to achieve is you're trying to deepen relationships. Uh, and and that's, that's a good enough goal. And there's a, that really allows you to do just about anything you do together is going to accomplish that particular goal. And that's a, that's a good thing. I do want to get to one other question that one of our listeners had. And so if I'll sneak that question in right now, this is regarding another podcast that we did. So I'll go ahead and just read that. As a manager, I believe I do a good job assessing individuals' talents and promoting them when openings become available. I have come across a few instances where I promote hardworking individuals, but they do not fit with the rest of the team. This is very important in my industry. What would be your advice when I come across this situation again as you cannot force people to like or vibe together? Yeah, the, the answer to that question is you have to correct it. 
You're, you're not going to change that person. You're not going to, as, as the questioner says, and you have to acknowledge that. And she gives us a hypothetical where the vibe is very important on her team. And given that it's very important, you have to correct it. And that means that person may have to leave the team. Kim, any additional thoughts on that? I, I can only echo what, what Larry said. I mean, the most important thing that you can do in that situation, when you know it, you've got to do something about it. Now, you may have some choices. Maybe you can move that person back into that role where they were highly successful, and they can remain part of your organization and part of that team. But maybe that's not going to be a reality um, because we don't, we don't deal in ideals, unfortunately. Um, but once you know that you have the wrong fit, it is imperative that you correct it as quickly as you possibly can. Well, as always, it has been a delight to spend some time with you today, Kim and Larry. Thank you all for your insight. Um, Just reminding you that um, Managing to Make a Difference is the book that we are pulling these podcasts from. In each chapter, you'll find a lesson and an experiment that you can put into place right now and then apply to the teams that you're managing. So we really appreciate the time that you have given us this afternoon. We look forward to talking with you again and or maybe talking at you again. I don't know how that works. But we appreciate so much your listening, and we hope that you'll respond with any um, experiments that are going really well for you and let us know how that's working for you. Enjoy your afternoon. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.